Good morning, Crosspoint. And thank you to our worship team. I, I obviously worship is not about me or anything, but I think it was really enjoyable, very variety. And I really like that second song. Let me tell you about my Jesus. You know, I get to do that every week to tell you about my Jesus and encourage you to tell others about your Jesus. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with you. I'm glad to see you. Uh, I know today we have uh, several people from our church vacationing. So if you guys are watching over, I don't know, even know where they are, somewhere in the Bahamas or something. Uh, we're a little jealous, but we're happy for you. And rest up, and we'll see you back when you get here. Uh, the rest of us that are here, um, just uh, super happy to be here. For those joining us online, we're also glad that uh, we're able to provide this for you. Um, I have a, a bit of an announcement in just a little bit. I, wanna st- I don't want to start with that, but in, re- in regards to our online services. For us to be able to gather as family, for us to be able to gather as brothers and sisters in the Lord and lift up our voices together unto him and just recognize who he is, what he's done in our lives, what he's promised to do, what we've seen him do in us and through us is such, such a blessing. And we want more people to know who Jesus is, what he's about, what he offers us. And more than anything, who he is, I think, is the most important thing who Jesus is, who God is, and how we fit into who he is. So this morning, we're going to continue speaking on uh, gospel according to Luke. We're going to be finishing chapter 4. I'm amazed how fast we're going here. I mean, to think that next week, Lord willing, we'll be starting chapter 5 is, uh, is pretty good. Um, this morning, we're going to talk about words of authority, speaking of the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and how everybody perceived that he, when he spoke, he spoke with authority. And we'll get right to that in just a little bit. I want to share some, uh, some announcements with you. I really hope that you get our newsletters because LV does an amazing job. In there, you see writings from people like Kathy Martinez. I know there was a, a piece there by Janine this morning uh, or last, last night. And very inspiring, very helpful. Uh, it has dates, important dates and events that are coming up. So let me share some of those with you really quick since they're already there, but I'm sure not everybody gets the newsletters. If you don't get the newsletters, I think you should. And if you want to, just go to crosspointchristianchurch.com. Scroll all the way down. There's a short, literally very short contact form for you to fill out, turn in, and then we'll have your information. We'll be able to send those emails out to you. But... Uh, in chronological order, the 9th, which is in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a motherhood seminar. Really excited about that. We want to encourage all the moms, all the women to join. Uh, please uh, register online. That will help us get an idea of how many people will be here. And, and invite other women. It will be an all-day thing, but if you can make it to some or most, uh, we would love to have you. Uh, you know, if you work and you can only make it to the afternoon session, I would encourage you to do so. I think it will be a big blessing to all of you. And that's in collaboration with Obria, one of the ministries that we uh, work with. The day after that, the sun, that's a Saturday. Sunday, uh, April 10th, uh, Lord willing, we'll be starting our young adults ministry. That's Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. That's anyone around 18 years old till early 30s. Uh, we're really looking forward to that. We're excited to be able to provide that space and that time for young people to get to know each other, but most importantly for us to have an opportunity to disciple them and come along with them and mentor them and, and support them in their walk with the Lord. And we want to see lots of, uh, our, our church is blessed with a lot of young adults, but also um, I, I think the Lord is doing something special with young adults in our area. So we're looking forward to that. 
On the 17th, the week after that, that's the 17th, that is April 17th is Resurrection Sunday. Easter Sunday, we're looking forward to that. And about that, you may have seen these on your way in. So these are flyers that we made for our church here. And we would love for everybody to take a small pack of, what is it, 50? 10. 10. Take 10 of these and give them to your relatives, your friends, your coworkers, your teammates, and invite them to church. And if they reject you, that's fine. We talked about that last week, right? How the Lord was rejected. But we really want us to understand that all of us and our individual efforts as we put those together is what's going to make our church grow. It's what's going to impact our communities and our surroundings. So we want to encourage you. We put these really nice things together here, these invitations, and uh, we're going to give them to you. You just got to take them and find 10 people to give them to. Give them to them with a smile. Invite them. You may have to pick them up. Um, you know, let me say, at Crossman, we're all about discipleship, right? Making disciples. We have a simple discipleship process. But I, uh, simple discipleship doesn't mean easy discipleship. Making disciples is not an easy thing. That is why most people are not interested or not engaged in making disciples. But we want to change that. We don't want that to be the case here at Crosspoint. I really believe that God has us here for an important purpose, and that is to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to teach them everything that Christ has taught us. And that's not easy. I think it is simple, but it's not easy. But... What have you ever done that's worth it that was easy, right? Chances are, if we've ever done anything important, meaningful, it required sacrifice and commitment. And making disciples, I think, is more than worth it, the, the sacrifice and commitment. So take one of these. It could be as easy as just inviting someone, making yourself available, letting them know you'll be here, pick them up, drive them here, whatever you need to do. Uh, it's, it's absolutely worth it. Um, I'll mention this right now. You know, for some reason, as you know, we live in California, Southern Cal, and a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, but a significant amount of people have been, you know, purchasing homes, purchasing homes outside of California or kind of far from Crosspoint. And, and something that came to me, and I was talking to my wife about this, how awesome would it be that as the Lord moves us around to different places, whether it's, you know, some families have gone to Texas, some families have gone uh, maybe not as far to Nevada and places like that, we got to get to the point where we are on target making disciples here so that when the Lord moves us anywhere, we want you to find a good church, but why not start a church in your home? Why not start a Bible study in your home? And that's part of my responsibility and the responsibility of the elders, and our goal is to equip you so that you can make disciples wherever the Lord leads you. And you don't have to wait for God to move you somewhere else. You can start Bible studies now. And if you don't feel qualified or equipped, well, you're in the right place, but we gotta, we got to get in the scriptures. That's why we want to invite you to be here consistently on Sunday mornings, to join a growth group and, and grow. The purpose of the growth groups are for us to grow spiritually so that God would use us in serving the world with his love. So kind of think about that. If God was to move you from here and put you somewhere else, hopefully you would find a great church, but are you ready to start? Are you willing more than anything and have you done the work so that if he moves you somewhere, or if he moves in your heart to start something at home, you're willing to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. And, I, and, the, and whatever time you spend at Crosspoint lately, it has prepared you unto that because we're all about making disciples. We're not here to play church. We're here about making disciples wherever we are. Okay. So all that, Resurrection Sunday, great, great time to invite uh, guests to church on that day. 
And then the 24th, we're hoping, oh, so that day we're hoping to have uh, uh, baptisms. So if you know that God has done a work in your life, the question would be, have you been baptized? And if you have not, uh, we would say, you need to be baptized. You need to be obedient to the Lord. You need to know what the Bible says. You need to see the examples of people who came to knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and immediately they were baptized. And so you can get baptized anytime here at Crosspoint Christian Church, but ideally we would like to do it when everybody's here uh, on a Sunday. Resurrection Sunday will be a great Sunday for you to be baptized and declare publicly your faith and your commitment to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you have any questions about that, see me. But we want to highly encourage you to consider, if you know that God has done a work in your life, then you need to be baptized. And if you have any questions, see me or any one of the elders. And then the 24th, we hope to have a baby dedication. Any children five years or so and under, if you wish to dedicate them and express your commitment to raise these children in the fear and knowledge of the Lord, we want to hear from you and prepare for that day as well. That's it for announcements, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Most of this information should be on our website, so you might want to take a look at that as well. This morning then, this morning, uh, I want to take communion with you. We want to take communion together and... To do that, I want to share Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Romans 5, verse 6, in preparation to take communion, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Rome, says, For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For when we... Now, as Christians, we're still without strength, meaning you and I, prior to Christ saving us, had zero ability to save ourselves. Spiritually speaking, we were without strength. In order to do any sort of work, you need power, you need strength. Here, Paul says, before we were Christians, we were without strength, without any ability to save ourselves. And he says, when you were in that condition, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Not only for those who were without strength and weren't able to do anything for themselves, but at the same time, not only we were weak and utterly powerless, but we were also ungodly. And it is for those people, for us as Christians now, that Christ died in due time. Beloved, that's the gospel. That is the gospel. We need to understand where we were prior to the cross. And as Christians, it is our greatest joy to be able to say, that is where I was. I was without strength, and I was ungodly. I didn't care about God. I cared about myself. And now to be able to see the evidence, now now there's this love in me. Now there's this new creation that I am. I, I, I surprise myself. I, I don't understand some of these new desires that I have to please God and to stop doing what, I, what used to p- bring me pleasure. That's what we're looking for, beloved. That's what you should be looking for in your walk with the Lord. To be able to recognize that there was one time when you were utterly powerless to do anything about your sinful state. And even in your ungodly state, Christ died for you. And what happens then is that at the cross, 
God displays his love and his grace and his mercy to those of us who were utterly undeserving. Those are the beautiful news of salvation, beloved. That though I was lost, I'm now saved by what Christ did at the cross for me. When we take communion, we are reminded of that. We are proclaiming that. We are remembering that. So as you peel back the first layer, you take the bread, which symbolizes, it represents the sinless body of our Lord Jesus Christ that hung on that cross for our sin. Let's take that together. As you peel back the second layer, you see the juice. It represents, symbolizes the blood, the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross of Calvary on our behalf for the payment of our sins. Let's take that together. Are we ready for at the cross? In just a second. Why don't we stand if you're able to? We'll, we'll stand, we'll sing uh, at the cross, a uh, couple of stances there in the chorus, and then we'll pray. And after that, we'll get into our message entitled Words with Authority. I want to turn off my mic because I want to hear you guys singing, all right? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for allowing us to spend this time together praising you, recognizing your love and your sacrifice and commitment to us. We pray, Father, that through your Holy Spirit and your word this morning, you would minister to us, teach us, help us to understand your will for our lives. We want to honor and glorify your holy name. So we pray for your blessing. We ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may have a seat, beloved. So words with authority, we're going to look at Luke chapter 4, verses 31 to the end, which is verse 44, 13 verses or so. Let me share with you a key verse, because we're going to talk about God's word, how it has power and authority. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That first section, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We believe that. We believe that the word of God is alive, that it is powerful, and it is God's word, God's message that is able to convert our souls to changes. And so that's why we want to invite people on Resurrection Sunday so they can hear God's word, so they can hear the message of the cross and resurrection. The main point this morning is this. God is glorified when the power of his word is fully displayed in our lives. I'll say that again. God is glorified when the power of his word is in full display in our lives. See, the the, the The word of God is powerful, period. It has authority, period. Whether we accept it or we don't, whether we live it out or obey it or not, God's word remains powerful and with authority. But God is glorified, beloved, when the power of his word and authority is in full display in our lives. What do I mean by that? I had a couple conversations this week with different people, and one of them was telling me how a person very dear to them, is so knowledgeable of the word. There's no debating that. There's no question. This person knows the scriptures inside and out. But you would never know it based on that person's life. And beloved, that's a tragedy. For us to proclaim that we're Christians, for us to invest time in in studying the word and learning the word and have it in our heads, and then it never displays itself and its power and its majesty in our lives. That shouldn't be in our lives, beloved. If people know that we're Christians and we proclaim to be Christians, people are going to know that we are Christians, the Lord says in John, by, our, by how we love one another, but also how we live, how we act, how we speak, how we interact, how we behave. And so... God is glorified when the power of his word is in full display in our lives. So what does your life say about the power and authority of God's word in your life? Because if if we're going to go telling people how Jesus resurrected from the dead and he rose with power and now we're new creatures in Christ because he resurrected, I've been resurrected with Christ and and his Holy Spirit lives in me in power and then they're in their mind, what are they saying? What are they thinking? Really? So why don't you fill in the blank? How come you don't stop filling the blank? Well, if that's the case, why aren't you filling the blank? See, we, and, and we're never going to be perfect, right? We're never, it's not our job to try to impress people and, and make them think that we're perfect, we don't have any problems, we don't have any issues. That's not the case. It's not about perfection, it's about direction. Where's our life heading? Can we see some progression in our lives? So that people could say like, yeah, well, I know you're not perfect, but boy, I'm really glad you're not the same person you were last year, two years ago, five years ago. I could see something different. I don't know what it is. You say it's the power of God in his word, but maybe it is. But I do see a difference. That's part, part of our testimony. And so we don't want to be these, you know, all, not all-knowing, but we don't want people to perceive us that, you know, we're so knowledgeable of the word, and yet that never translates into anything that they are able to see Christ in us. That's a big challenge for the rest of our lives to to. to 
live in a way where Christ is Lord in our lives and the power and authority of his word is in full display in our lives. God is glorified when that occurs. And I pray that all of us are on the journey of growing towards that. So Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 44. You know, last week we talked about uh, hometown rejection, right? So a quick summary. We talked about how the Lord, after, you know, he returned back home. I'll, I'll keep it short. He comes back to Nazareth where he grew up. And then he goes to the synagogue and he's reading from Isaiah. And he basically says, I am the Christ. And people are like, no, you're Jesus. You're like the son of the carpenter. And we know your brothers and your sisters. And then he, he lets them know, you know, if you reject me, God's love is going to extend to, to even Gentiles, and they hate him for that. They want to kill him, and they take him right to the edge of the city and throw him off to his death, and he just supernaturally, it seems, escapes everyone. And that's where we left off. So this morning, after, after he leaves Nazareth, he goes to Galilee. We're going to read that. And one of the things that stands out to people as they hear him speak is that he speaks with authority, with authority. And, and I'll say this again I know I said something similar right now, but when, especially if, if you have friends and then you start going to a Christian church, some of us grew up in church, um, but when you meet somebody and they find out you're a Christian, boy, they're looking for that evidence. They're looking for that evidence, like, and I don't think anybody's looking for perfection, but they're looking for something genuine. They're looking for something genuine. Is, is, are you the real deal? Is what you're learning at that place really affecting your life? And we want to be all about that. If we want to be good witnesses of the Lord. Um, in, 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 I'm, I'm kind of debating when to, I'm going to say it now. Um, we're going to talk about the authority of God's word. And I want to say a word about this false teaching that's out there that's called word of faith. I believe it's a false teaching. And it's a dangerous one because we see it in very prominent channels on TV that we would normally think that are Christian channels. And we see people that are highly well-known teachers that claim to be pastors, Christian pastors, and they use the Bible. Um, and, and they have a lot of, a big following, maybe thousands, maybe even millions of people following them in, in certain places. And, and maybe some of these 90% of what they say seems to be okay. And then you start kind of looking into some of the things that they say, and it's like, ah, well, yeah, that, that sounded a little weird, but I'm sure he just, and you kind of dig in a little bit, and you realize, no, this is, this is what is called the word of faith movement. And that's the idea that you as a Christian, if you have enough faith, you can speak things into existence. You know, are you sick? Just rebuke that illness. And in faith, just tell that illness, illness, you don't belong here. And if you have enough faith, bam, it's going to happen. You have economical problems, just speak it. Say it. You know, and say it with faith. And, and for some of you, you might think, like, that nah, doesn't really go. Some of you are thinking, like, wait, what's wrong with that? So I'm not here to tell you what to believe. But I am here to kind of ring the bell and say there is this uh, movement going on. It's called the Word of Faith movement. And your job is to look into that and go back to scripture and say, are what they teaching really? It's very closely associated with the prosperity gospel. And what I keep telling you that one of the biggest dangers that exists in the modern church is this, this idea that church, 
faith, Christianity is really about you. Not about, yeah, it's about God, but it's really about you. And even, you know, their songs are about you. And their messages, you, you pay attention. And I'm not jealous. I hope nobody feels like, oh, Mike's just jealous because they have a big church. I'm not. And it is not my intent either to stand here and criticize other people. But it is part of my job as an elder, as an overseer, as a pastor of a congregation to warn you of certain things. That may sound right, but if you pay attention and look into that and do some research, you're going to realize they're way off. All right? And that is what Satan does. Satan usually comes up and he quotes scripture. We saw that. He'll quote scripture. And so just because somebody stands and looks good and has a nice suit and speaks nice and has a nice smile, is very charismatic and uses verses here and there, you got to be you got to use discernment and see what it is, what what are they teaching? What are they saying? Are they glorifying God or are they glorifying themselves or are they appealing to you glorifying yourself? And I'm telling you, there's a lot of self-glorification going on in the churches. You you know, look at the verse that we read for for um um Romans 5:6 When we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. I mean, those are not things that appeal to our flesh. Those are things that humble our flesh, that let us know how wicked we are outside of Christ. And that displays his glory. But when you don't hear people talk about sin, when you hear people that claim themselves to be Christian pastors and they're being interviewed on national television and they ask them, is Jesus the only way to be saved? Well, you know... I don't know. Is, is this clear sin wrong? Well, I don't know. You know, they're doing this. We talked about that too. They're trying to please people. They don't want to sound controversial. They want to be politically correct. That's not what we're about. We're about teaching what the word of God says in love, speaking truth in love, beloved. And lest we just criticize other people, That's why you need to be in a small group so that people can get to know you intimately. And when you start doing something wrong, they can say, hey, bro, what are you doing? Why are you treating your kids like that? Sister, why are you treating your husband like that? Why are you talking bad about him? Hey, brother, that's not how we respect our wives. Hey, youngster, that's not being very respectful to your folks. So I don't want to point the finger out there. I want to say, are we really about growing? Are we serious about being disciples of Christ? I'm glad that you're here on Sunday morning and you're open to hearing God's word. But I I encourage you to be part of a growth group. And I encourage you to start taking what you've learned and apply that to serve the people around you with God's love. It's it's. We come here to learn and we gather so that God would build us up. We would encourage each other unto love and good works and then go out and do something. And what you do is probably going to be different from what I do than what you do and you do. But let's do something for God's kingdom. All right? And, and by God's grace, I, I'm telling you, I'm so encouraged because God is doing some great things here at Crosspoint Christian Church. And it's through you and through all of us that he's doing that, accomplishing that. So I'm excited. And I thank you. So... I'll wrap it up. The false teaching, word of faith. 
Let me give you a couple of names and a couple of resources, and I'll leave it at that. Justin Peters. Justin Peters is, I believe, a great brother who has dedicated a big part of his life in studying and researching this Word of Faith movement. And he has plenty of videos out there that will show you the people that he's talking about, and he'll show you clips of what they say and what's wrong with that teaching, Justin Peters. And there's a great movie called The American Gospel. The American Gospel. I would highly encourage you to watch that. Be challenged. And then ask questions. Text me, email me, let's get together, take me out to lunch, and let's talk about that. Let's talk about it. But we have to be careful because it's so prevalent and it's so sneaky. So we got to be careful with that. All right, I'll leave it at that. Let's get to it. What I'll do is um, I have three points that I want to share with you. Words with authority come straight from the scripture here that we're going to read. And um, the first point that I want to share with you is uh, from verses 31 through 37. So God's word has authority, point number one, over the demonic realm. Over the demonic realm. So let's read Luke chapter 4, 31 through 37. It says, then, the, then he went down to Capernaum, which is actually north, but kind of geographically kind of going down, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. So what was happening? They would go, to, they would go to, essentially to church, to the synagogue. They would bring out the rolls, the scrolls. They would read them, and they would just read them. But here comes Jesus, and he reads them, and then he speaks with authority. And another portion says, not like the Pharisees. I would, I would love for us to understand that God's word has authority and power. And when we share God's word, and when we share um, the scriptures with people, you should do it with authority. And that doesn't mean yelling at people like, Dupe. but with conviction, with authority, like you believe, not only do you believe what he says, but, but you live it out. How are people going to perceive that God's word has authority? Only if you're obedient to God's word. See, if you're obedient to God's word, that means you're acknowledging the fact that God's word has authority over your life. But if you claim to be a Christian and God's word doesn't affect your life, then by default, you're saying or declaring that God's word has no authority in your life. And that's problematic. Verse 33. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Boy, demons have their theology right. They know who, who Jesus is. They knew who Jesus was. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in, the midst, in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, what a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Beloved, I know that if you're like me, you've read stuff like this maybe thousands of times. 
But be amazed at what Jesus was able to do. And that's just a little display of his power. Here's this man with this unclean spirit. He's being tormented. And Jesus casts out that demon or demons, because he says, what have we to do with you, out of that man with the simple for him, the simple power and authority of his word. He tells him, be quiet and come out of him. He rebukes the demon and the demon obeys. You know, James says, you believe? That's great. For those of you that are, you know, believers in word only, James says, you believe? Even the demons believe, he says, and they tremble and they obey the power and authority of God's word. And James is telling people in the letter of James, he's talking to phony professing Christians only. And he says, well, you see, you, and beloved, I, I sometimes hear that. Talking to someone, maybe calling their attention about something they're doing wrong, and what do they say? Yeah, I know I must have, but I believe. You believe what? No, you don't. You don't, and you don't believe in the power of God's word and his, the authority of his word because you're not willing to repent, acknowledge your sin and repent from it and confess it and experience that forgiveness and experience a new life. You're still hanging on to your sin. And as long as we choose to hang on to our sin, we're declaring God's power has no authority or God's word has no power or authority over my life. That's dangerous, beloved. It's very dangerous. God's word has authority over the demonic realm. That's amazing. For us, um, I, I, I've mentioned a little bit about that. I'm not going to get into it again today. But 1 John 4, 4 is an awesome verse that we should be very familiar with. John says, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he, God who is in you, is greater than he who is in the world. Amen to that. We don't have to fear the demonic realm, beloved. And I would stay, I would personally suggest to you that you stay away from all of that, including these time-wasting movies that seem to be very popular in our culture about demons and the exorcism of so-and-so and so-and-so's exorcism. And that's, that's, I do believe that stuff is demonic. Call it what just makes, you know, oh, it's just entertainment. Yeah, it's demonic entertainment. Stay away from that stuff. If you go and get your palm read, stop it. If, you're still too con- if you still check the news, nobody checks newspapers. For your zodiac sign. The other day somebody asked, what's your zodiac sign? What do you care? I don't care. Oh, my. oh. And oh, you're a Libra. No wonder. No wonder what? <laughs> like Jesus said, be quiet. Stay away from all that stuff. All that stuff is demonic, beloved. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. God in us is greater than he who is in the world. And I don't believe a Christian can be demon-possessed. But if you mess around with that kind of stuff, you're not careful. You can be oppressed by, by demons and demonic. So I'll share with you Revelation 20, verse 10. What happens at the end? It says, the devil who deceived, deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Who wins? God wins. 
And it's not a close call. The, the devil has a purpose, even within God's overall plan. And we see that, that, that even Satan is subject to God. From the beginning, yeah, he's caused trouble. He's allowed to cause trouble. But we see that, that even Satan is subject to God's authority. So God's word has authority over the demonic realm. And then point number two, we see that God... His word has authority over disease. Let's look at verses 38 and 39. So the demonic realm and over disease. Because in verse 38 it says, Now he rose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. That would be Simon Peter. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever. And they made requests of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever. And it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. So here we see that Jesus rebukes the illness and the illness leaves her. And here the, the illness is personified and, and Jesus has authority and power over disease. Which diseases does God have authority and power over? The answer would be every disease. The next question by some of us might be, so how come God doesn't just do away with all disease? What a great question. That's another reason why you should take me out to lunch and let's talk about that one because we can answer it right now. But I have a couple of thoughts. I don't know about you, but whenever I'm sick, I seem to be closest to God. When I'm in pain and I'm in suffering, or when somebody close to me is sick, I'm like more in tune with God. Sometimes when I'm healthy and nothing hurts, very rare, but one of those days, I, it's like I find all kinds of things to do that end up competing with God. And so, yeah, I would say God is not pleased, I don't believe, in seeing us suffer, but all over Scripture, you see how God is able to use our suffering for His glory. And ultimately, beloved, ultimately, the gospel says that the wages of sin is death. And the Bible says that we're all sinners. Therefore, we're all going to die. I've never understood these people that claim to have the gift of healing. You know what's going to happen to them? A hundred percent, with a hundred percent certainty, they're going to die. Now, they may, they may uh, you know, die of an accident, and, and therefore their followers could claim, like, see, but he never got sick. <laughs> yeah, but he bled to death. Couldn't, couldn't they heal? Or whatever. So that's problematic, and we're not going to get into this whole, you know, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some people believing that there are some out there that have power to heal. I believe in God's power. And yes, he's able to heal, and I've seen that. But... For people to claim to have that exclusively is problematic nowadays. But Jesus clearly had power over disease. And, and God allows diseases in our lives to carry out his purposes. And, and one thing that the Apostle Paul, speaking of Epaphroditus, he says, boy, this, this brother came and helped me. And he got sick almost unto death. And I thank God that he healed him because I was like really sad if he, if he would have died. And you might think, wait a minute. That's Paul. Why couldn't he just heal him? 
And we see that God's purpose was not ever to heal us physically in the now of every disease. But he does promise us perfect healing, beloved. So God's word has authority, point number two, over disease. We see that in Luke 4.39 as he rebukes Peter's mother-in-law's fever. In Psalms 103, verse 3 says, speaking of God, who forgives all our iniquities and who heals all of our disease. I say, Mike, well, you just said he doesn't. I say, well, he doesn't in this lifetime, beloved. In this lifetime, we're going to experience all kinds of illnesses and diseases, unfortunately. But one of the things that that does is allows us to look forward to the following, Revelation 21, verse 4. And God, in the future time, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. This is not our home. We're only passing by. Boy, I'm 46. And nothing says I want to reach 70, 80, 60, even 50. It's like we got to be careful with that. We got to understand that this life is temporary. James says it's but a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. And then what? Well, for Christians, then eternity, experiencing the glory of God with no more disease, pain, crying, no more death. Forever, beloved. Why get stuck in this? Colossians 3 says, if we have been raised with, together with Christ, then let's set our minds on the things above, not the things of this earth. We get into so much trouble when we get fixated on this life right now. Instead of looking forward to the next one. Our best life is always ahead of us in the future. But here we see Jesus. And we're going to be, this, these, Jesus healing, casting out demons is something that's going to keep reoccurring through Luke. So we're not going to spend a lot of time every time it comes up. But here from the onset we see Jesus in, through his word having the power and authority over not just the demonic realm but also over disease. And then point number three, I want to say that God's word has authority and doesn't discriminate. I think this is really important. We spend some time here. It does not discriminate. What do I mean by that? Look at what happens afterwards. I'm going to read verses 40 through 44. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid hands on every one of them. And healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out, saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now when it was day, he departed and went into the deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent and he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. I found that very interesting. The idea that, that the power of God and the authority of God's word does not discriminate. Again, these false healers. They don't heal everyone. And if you look at uh, Justin Peters. Is that? Yeah, Justin Peters, he's actually, he has a disease. 
And he goes to places where there's these big-time healers to see if he'll be healed, to prove to them that he's not going to be healed. And they might say, like, well, it's because you don't have enough faith. What did Jesus do? Everyone that had somebody that was ill, they would bring him, regardless of the disease, regardless of who they were. It says everyone, and everyone that came to Jesus, Jesus laid hands on them, rebuked, and they were healed. He did not discriminate. And then, when it comes to discrimination, it says they wanted to keep him there. And there's so much application for us, beloved. They wanted to keep him there. They see Jesus doing these miracles. They're like, stay here with us. He says, nope, I got to go. I got to keep preaching. I got to keep going around and telling everybody else and sharing my words, not just of wisdom, but of power and authority with everybody. Why? Because the Lord does not discriminate. Same thing for us, beloved. We should never be happy with the holy huddle. We got to go out. If, if, if you, when you get the 10 invitations for Resurrection Sunday and you're thinking like, I don't, I don't even know 10 people. Red flag. You selfish, self-centered. Find 10 people. Or if you say, I don't even have 10 people that I like. Oh, double red flag. You selfish, self-centered, righteous person. That, uh, well, you don't hang around with the normal folk? If you say, I don't have 10 friends, well, I don't know, you know, friends are few in between, real friends, but we got to, how are we going to impact the world? How are people going to know? Jesus says, I must go and preach to other cities. I can't just stay here. That has to be our attitude, beloved, because God doesn't discriminate. We shouldn't discriminate. Don't worry about, I mean, I would encourage you, give it to the people that you think would, are least likely to come. Don't take the invitations and be like, I wasn't going to give you this, but you probably won't go, huh? No. And then your wife's going to be like, why don't you give it to your cousin? That guy? No. Stop. That's sinful. Look what the, Lord, what the Bible says about the Lord. Acts 10, 34 and 35. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. And that's Peter speaking when he was confronted with Cornelius, a Gentile. Romans 2, verses 10 and 11 say, but says, But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. He was healing, and he didn't ask for, you know, social security numbers and residential status and how much faith do you have? Okay, I'll heal you. If you brought somebody to the Lord, he healed them. And he didn't just stop there. He went everywhere because God's word has authority. It has authority over the demonic realm, over disease, and thus it, does, it also does not discriminate. So it needs to go out. That was what the Lord did. He, he refused to stay put and said, I'm, I got to go. I got to keep preaching. I got to keep teaching. My word has to go out. And now when he's now at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and he lives in us, guess what? We got to go. We got to go. You got to tell. And, and, and I hope you're paying attention to all these because then for some of us, like, well, I don't know enough. You don't have to know that much. Share a verse or two. Share the flyer with somebody. But then don't use that as an excuse. Five years from now, don't still, don't still be saying, like, well, I don't know enough. And then 10 years from now, if we're still, I, I don't know enough. Well, you're never going to know enough. Partly because you don't read the Bible and study. Beloved, if you've been 
claiming to be a Christian for a couple of years, you can't say you don't know enough unless you're saying it to your public shame. You've got to be a disciple. You've got to be a student of the word. You've been coming to church. And if you don't miss, you've been to church at least 100 times in two years. It's 52 weeks in a year. But if you say, well, I've been a Christian for five years, but I've only been to church five times, you only, you're one of those CEO Christians, right? Christmas and Easter only? Can't be, can't be like that. We praise God for the authority in his word, beloved. He spoke the universe into existence. I mean, if ever you think you have God figured out, just think about the fact that God spoke the universe into existence and every physical law with that. Where did gravity come from? God spoke it into existence. Where all this mass and matter come from? Electromagnetic. All of that was created in an instance by the power of God's word. And God's word is alive and it's able to transform our lives. When that is in full display in our lives, God is glorified, beloved. God is glorified. So let's get on our knees. Let's pray for forgiveness. Let's ask God for, for courage for us to go out and share God's word. Because we trust and we know that it has power and authority. Not just for our lives, but for everyone else who hears it. Because God does not discriminate. Take the invitations with you. If you need more than ten, take them. I recall, I, I, I need about 120 invitations. Oh, now I'm showing off. No, I'm not showing off. Let me tell you how easy it is. Monday night, we have an open gym. We get about 50 young people. I'm going to give one to everybody there. On Thursdays, we have a community food distribution. About 60 people come there. I'm going to give them there. That's 110 people. So lest you think that I stand in the corner every day passing up. I'm just involved in the work that Crosspoint has going on. And I'm not the only one because there's several of you that can do the same because you're either in the food ministry or in an open gym ministry or do other things that we do here at church. So... It's not that hard, but we have to be willing to invest in God's kingdom for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us this time. We thank you for the power of your word, which transformed our lives as your children. Father, we're grateful. Help us to have the courage to go out and, and share your word. Help us to be honest and really seek you and your will in our lives so that your the power of your word, the authority of your word can be in full display in our lives for everyone to see for your honor and glory. We thank you. Thank you for all my brothers and sisters who are here, the families that we represent, those watching online and even via recordings. We pray for your blessing as we dismiss. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. Amen. God bless you, beloved. You're dismissed.